Hey, it's good to see you guys. Uh, as you may or may not have heard just now, my name is Steve, and I'm the student pastor here at the 12 Stone Sugarloaf Campus, which is right where you are at today. What that means is my full-time job is working with middle school and high school students, which is incredible because you guys are like the coolest people on the planet. Yeah, you are. Yeah, that's right. So anyways, I love what I get to do. Love hanging out with all of you. And if you're new, meaning this is like your first time ever to M12, we want to start off by saying thank you for being here tonight. We hope that you've had a blast so far. And right after this service is done in like 25, 30 minutes, uh, we want you and the person who brought you to hang out down front. We have like some free food and free drinks and free stuff to give you guys our way of saying thank you for being here tonight. Now, if you were here last week, you remember that we started this conversation last week called In Other Words, right? In Other Words is this series that we're doing. It's all about the words that we use because we know this. We know that depending on where you grew up, you use different words or you use words kind of differently, right? So if you grew up in the South, then you might speak what I call redneck, right? Yeah, where you say things like, man, there's a lot of people out here tonight, right? That's my best redneck, okay? Yeah, you thought mayonnaise was something you spread on toast. It's like, nope, it's mayonnaise a lot of people, okay? Or if you grew up in like Michigan, right, then you might say something like, um, don't you know, right? You might, you might talk that way. And if you grew up, and this is kind of the main idea, this is the main point. If you grew up around a bunch of like churchy people, or maybe you live with a bunch of churchy people, or maybe a lot of your friends are a lot of churchy people, then you might speak what I like to call Christianese. Christianese. Christianese is this like language that we as Christians have kind of made up and we've kind of borrowed a little bit from the Bible and borrowed a little bit from tradition. And then when we get around other churchy people, we use these like words and we don't really use them in, you know, other places, but when we're around churchy people, we use these words. And I gave you a few examples last week. Um, I talked about the word amen a little bit. Yeah. Amen is like, woohoo, right? That's what but it's like more spiritual than that. So you say amen. Amen? Amen. 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 There we go. Okay. And then we talked about the word blessed, which is what you say when you're really happy, you know, or you post something on Instagram of like you and your girl and you're like, hashtag blessed, right? It's like, it's me. That's what Christians say. They say that they're, you know, other people say we're doing good and Christians say I'm blessed, right? Because we don't believe in luck. Because luck is like from the enemy, you know? I'm just kidding. No, or maybe not. I don't know. Anyway, so blessed is like the Christianese thing that we as Christians say. And then the other one is testimony. And testimony is like your story or where you came from. And, and then we've got other Christianese words like glory and gospel and all these other, you know, like sanctification and, you know, all these crazy big Christianese words. But here's what we said last week, and you might remember this. It's really, really important that we actually define these words because sometimes, sometimes, even though you might have grown up around these words, even though you might even use these words, sometimes we don't actually know what these words mean. And that matters because these words describe God, which means if our definition is bad, then our view of God is bad, which means the better definition we get, the better our view of God is. And so last week we started off by talking about what I think is the most important word in the Christianese kind of language. And not only that, it's also the most misunderstood word in the Christianese language. And that word that we talked about last week was salvation. Right? You guys remember that? Um, just for fun, does anyone remember my definition that I gave 
for salvation. If you remember it on the count of three, I want you to say it out loud. Definition for salvation. One, two, three. You guys are so smart. Yeah, you are. You're smarter than your parents give you credit for. Okay? No, I'm just kidding. No, you're really smart. That's right. Salvation is just a really fancy way of saying to be saved. And so last week we talked about how Jesus came to save us, which is why we call Jesus our Savior. And Jesus is the way to salvation. In other words, he's the way that we are saved. Now, tonight we're talking about a really important word that's actually related to that word. And the word we're talking about is also very often misunderstood. And not only that, this is a word that's really like emotionally charged. And what I mean by that is when you hear this word, um, you probably have your own definition for what you think this word means. And not only do you have your own definition to it, but sometimes when we hear this word and we think of our definition, we don't like it when other people try to mess with that definition. Because this is a really important word, right? And your parents probably think it's a really important word. And your grandparents definitely think this is a really important word. And this is one of those words in the Christianese language that I think is often misunderstood. And the word we're talking about tonight is baptism. That's right. Baptism is one of these words that's often misunderstood. And a lot of times your definition of baptism is based on the way you grew up. It's based on what your parents think or maybe the church that you grew up in. Okay. And so tonight I want to look at what Jesus said about baptism, okay? But before we do that, I thought a great way to kind of launch the conversation about baptism was showing a movie clip that not only talks about baptism, but it features baptism. And even better, this movie clip also includes the word from last week, salvation, okay? The movie clip is from a movie, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it's a movie called Nacho Libre. Has anyone ever seen that movie? Yeah, it's a little ridiculous. It's very dumb, okay? Uh, But uh, I actually really love this movie. Okay, so it's about a minute-long clip, and just to give you a fair warning, this clip is rated PG because it features two guys without their shirt on, and one of them is Jack Black, okay? So, yeah, it gets a little like, I don't know. So anyways, this is a minute-long clip talking a little bit about our word of the day, baptism. Enjoy. I'm a little concerned right now about your salvation and stuff. How come you have not been baptized? Because I never got around to it, okay? I don't know why you always have to be judging me. Because I only believe in science. But tonight, we are going up against Satan's caveman. And I just thought it would be a good idea if you... Felicidades. <laughs> so there we go. Why have you not been baptized? No, so just to, just to help you out, that's not the way we baptize people here at 12 Stone, okay? Just to make sure. We're not going to like ninja baptize you while you're not looking, okay? But, but, if I can be real for a second. Um, this clip of the movie kind of highlights something. It highlights that sometimes when we see like movies or, or maybe some vines or maybe some YouTube videos about baptism, sometimes it looks pretty ridiculous, right? Like there's this like 
YouTube video of this kid who like, instead of walking into the baptismal tub, he actually does a cannonball into the baptismal tub, right? There's another video of a pastor literally choke slamming one of his guys into the tub, okay? It's all these ridiculous vines, ridiculous YouTube videos. And when you watch these videos and you think about baptism, sometimes it's easy to kind of look at it and go, that looks ridiculous. And why on earth would anyone ever get baptized? Especially if you haven't grown up in church. Or maybe church is kind of a new thing to you, or God's kind of this new thing to you. Sometimes, if we're honest, because of these videos, it's easy for us to ask this question. Why is baptism even a thing? Right? We see these crazy, weird, off-the-wall videos. And so sometimes it's like, why is baptism uh, you know, even a thing? In other words, why are we still even doing it? You know, why on earth are people getting baptized? And when you watch the crazy videos like that, it's like, why is baptism? even a thing. And so this is the question that we're going after tonight. In fact, we're going to spend the rest of the time answering this question. Why? Why is baptism even a thing? And I'm going to start off by telling you why I think baptism is a thing, or rather why baptism is a thing for me. See, because for me, I was baptized. And not only that, but I love it when students here at M12 want to get baptized. And nothing makes me more excited than when a student takes this bold step and actually get baptized. I love being able to baptize students. And one of the reasons, one of the reasons that I baptize students is because Jesus actually told me to. Yeah, Jesus actually told me to. In fact, right, like one of the last things that Jesus said here on earth, okay, he actually talked about baptism. See, because Jesus was here on earth, lived a perfect life, 33 years old, and then was sentenced to death by crucifixion. Jesus was actually tried for a crime that he didn't commit, and yet they crucified him even though he had done nothing wrong. And then they took Jesus' body and they put it in a tomb, and they thought that was the end. But three days later, Jesus came back to life. And not only did Jesus come back to life, but he started walking around and talking to people. In fact, one of the most common things that Jesus said after he rose again was he went up to his followers and he said, hey, you want to get some food? Like he talked about food, literally. He saw Peter and he was like, you want some breakfast? And then he saw some of his other followers and he was like, you guys want to break bread together? Jesus was alive and well and eating and he showed up behind like locked doors and stuff and Jesus was proving to everyone that he was actually alive. And he walked around for 40 days alive again. After he was crucified. And then, then, as Jesus was ascending into heaven, one of the very last things that Jesus said. In other words, it was like Jesus was saying, hey, if you forget everything I said, here's the one thing I want you to remember. These are my last words to you. I want you to get this. I want to make sure, if you don't remember anything else, that this is what you remember. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus said to them as he was going up into heaven, therefore, here's what I want you to do. Go. And as you go, I want you to make disciples of all nations. In other words, I want you to talk to people about me. I want you to tell people how I died on the cross and then I rose again. And I want you to tell them how I died for them. That I actually died to save them from their sins. And as you are telling people about me, I want you to baptize So these were Jesus' last words, and he said, if you don't remember anything else, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Because when you look at the life of Jesus, you can't separate Jesus from baptism. 
It was a big, big part of the life of Jesus. In fact, Jesus himself was actually baptized. Jesus was baptized. There was this guy named John who was baptizing people in the Jordan River. And Jesus, okay, and this guy John was like so good at baptizing people and he baptized people all the time that they actually gave John a nickname. Do you know what the nickname was? They called him John the Baptist. Baptist. That's right. John the Baptist because he baptized so many people. Well, Jesus came up to this guy John and said to John, John, I want you to baptize me. And then, you know, John looked at Jesus and said, I can't, I can't baptize you. You're Jesus, you know? It's like you're the guy, you know? You're like God. You're the son of God and like human flesh. It's like you're here. You're the main guy. I can't baptize you. And Jesus looked at John and said, I want you to baptize me because I want to model for my followers what it looks like to be baptized. And not only was Jesus baptized, but Jesus baptized others. In fact, shortly after Jesus was baptized, Jesus just kind of moved upstream right there at the Jordan River, and then he set up shop, and then he started baptizing people. And people started coming to Jesus to get baptized. And then the very last thing that he said here on earth was, I want, if you don't remember anything else, I want you to go make disciples, and I want you to baptize them. And then what I want to do is I want to fast forward about just like two or three weeks after Jesus said this to the very first sermon ever recorded. Because in this sermon, the guy who delivered the sermon actually talked about baptism, just like Jesus did. And the cool thing for us is that this sermon, the first sermon ever recorded, is actually written down in your Bibles. It's actually found in Acts chapter 2. So we're going to look there together at the first sermon ever recorded. So go ahead, grab your Bibles. They should be like right under your chair, maybe right under the chair in front of you. We're going to look at Acts chapter 2 on page 1092, 1092. And this is kind of the scene to set up the scene. Jesus said, I want you to go and tell people that I died for them and then I rose again. And that's exactly what the disciples did. They went all over the place. They started telling people, have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus? Have you heard about Jesus? Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you what Jesus did for you. And so they started telling all these people about Jesus. In fact, at one point, these disciples got so fired up, so excited about telling people about Jesus that the other people that were listening looked at the disciples, and this is my translation, they looked at the disciples and they said, you guys are lit right now, okay? And some of y'all think I didn't use that word correctly, okay? But look, this is literally what they said in Acts chapter 2. It said, some, however, made fun of the disciples, the guys that were telling people about Jesus, and said, they have had too much wine. In other words, they saw these disciples so excited about Jesus, they said, these guys are drunk. It's like, there's no way that could be true. There's no way that Jesus actually died and rose again. And so they looked at the disciples and said, you guys are crazy. You guys are drunk. Like, there's no way that's true. And so then Peter stood up in front of everyone else and said, okay, I need to tell all of you something, okay? And then he said something that I think is kind of cheesy, so bear with me. It's kind of like a lame dad joke, okay? Peter looked at the people and said, I know you guys think we're lit on like beer, but we're lit on Jesus, baby, okay? It's like we're fired up for Jesus right now, okay? It's like I know you guys think we're drunk, but we're just full of the Holy Spirit, 
okay? And so then he started to talk about Jesus, and he said, you guys got to get this, okay? Jesus came to this earth, lived a perfect life, okay? And then because he cares about you, because he loves you, Jesus died on the cross. And just like we talked about last week, the reason Jesus died was to save us, because we needed saving. And so Peter started, you know, talking about salvation and said, the reason Jesus died was because you needed to be saved. And so Jesus died on the cross, and then he rose Again, And then when Peter kind of summed up everything, he said this. Last word said, therefore, okay, in light of everything I've just told you, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. You saw him crucified. And then God raised him to life. And he made Jesus both Lord and Messiah. In other words, Jesus is a bigger deal than you thought he was. Jesus is not just a prophet. Jesus is the son of God. He is the king of kings and he died for you. And the people listening, the people listening began to respond. In fact, the very next verse says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. In other words, they felt it. They knew what they needed to do. They knew they needed to accept Jesus as their Savior. In fact, some of you can relate because some of you, last week was the week that you were cut to the heart. And last week was the week that you accepted Jesus as Savior. And for some of you, maybe it was a month ago, maybe it was a year ago, but these guys were listening to Peter and said, you're right, Jesus did die for me. And I believe that he can save me. And so it says they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do. In other words, in response to the fact that I've accepted Jesus as Savior, in response to the fact that I believe he died for me, what is my next step? What's the next thing I need to do now that I've accepted Jesus as Savior? And so Peter responded. And Peter replied, repent. In other words, turn from the life you used to be living and start living for Jesus. Repent and be, and there's our word, baptized. That's right. Repent and be baptized. That's your next step. Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. See, when the people were looking at Peter said, what do we need to do now that we've accepted Jesus as Savior? In other words, what is our next step? Peter looked at them and said, be baptized. See, and this is in your notes. Because baptism, baptism is a next step not a next level. Baptism is a next step, not a next level. In other words, um, baptism is not about being perfect. It's not about having your life all together, right? It means that you don't have to have your life all together. You don't have to have all the answers to be baptized. You don't have to have all your habits cleaned up. You don't have to have all your relationships cleaned up because baptism doesn't mean you're perfect. Baptism doesn't mean you've arrived. Baptism is the next step after you've said yes to Jesus. See, because a lot of times students come up to me and when we talk about baptism, they say, man, you know, I know I need to be baptized, but I'm just not ready yet. And the reason I'm not ready is because my life's not cleaned up and my, you know, my stuff isn't all together. I don't have everything figured out. And let me just tell you this. If we had to wait until we were perfect, none of us would get baptized, right? 
If we had to wait till we had our entire life figured out, none of us would get baptized. Because baptism is not about having it all figured out. Baptism is not about having your life completely sorted out. Rather, baptism is a next step, not a next level. In fact, for these people that were listening to Peter, they heard Peter talk and they said, what do we do? And Peter said, I need you to repent and be baptized. And they got baptized right there on the spot because salvation that we talked about last week and baptism are so closely related. Which, if we're honest, sometimes that can cause confusion because sometimes students look at baptism and salvation and they think it's kind of the same thing. And this is why I want to kind of add this point of clarity. Baptism is not another word for salvation. Baptism is not the same thing as salvation, right? See, because salvation is Jesus died to save you. Baptism is not how you are saved. Baptism is the way you show people that you're saved. See, because you're saved when you make a decision and say, I trust Jesus as my savior and baptism is the way you show people that you are saved in other words here's another way to put it baptism doesn't save you jesus does right baptism isn't the thing that saves you jesus does in other words it's not like the waters of baptism have these like magical saving healing powers right It's not like if you had a broken arm, you could like dip it in the water and be like, whoa, look at that, you know, I'm healed. No, that's not, it's normal tap water. Baptism waters are just normal tap water, but it represents that you've made a decision of faith to trust Jesus as your savior. Because, because baptism doesn't save you. Jesus does. See, our faith does not revolve around baptism. Our faith revolves around Jesus because Jesus is how we are saved. It's because Jesus died on the cross that we can be saved. And baptism is the way that you show people that you're saved. Now, um, I know when we talk about baptism, one of the things that comes up is, is like a fear. A fear of like getting in front of your friends A fear of like, you know, getting in the tub and you're like, what if I say the wrong thing? Or what if I do the wrong thing? Or wear the wrong thing? Or what if I like slip, you know? It's like, I don't want to get in front of my friends. And that's kind of, you know, it's like tough and it's awkward. And what are they going to think? And if, you know, but they know my history. They know my past. And sometimes if we're honest, and I get this, it can be scary to get in front of your friends. It can be scary to get in front of your family members and tell them publicly that I've trusted Jesus as Savior. But I'm telling you, this is why baptism is so important. See, because I think one of the reasons that Jesus was such a fan of baptism was that Jesus understood this, that a physical step, a physical step, doing something out of your comfort zone, doing something where you get up and you move and there's something physical, a physical step often leads to a spiritual breakthrough. What I mean is sometimes, sometimes, God asks us to do something and it's a little uncomfortable and it's a little scary, but when we actually do it, our faith grows. See, because it's one thing to sit in your chair and to look over at like maybe a, maybe a friend that you don't agree with or you don't get along with and just silently to yourself say, okay. I forgive them and then move on. That's one thing. It's another thing entirely to go up to that friend that you may be having a difficult time with, going up to them and actually 
talking to them. And when you talk to them, actually forgive them. Because that physical step of getting up and getting out of your comfort zone and forgiving someone, although it's difficult, what you'll find is when you do that, your faith grows. See, because it's one thing to look at someone that needs help and say, man, I hope they get better. But it's another thing to see someone that needs help and get up out of your comfort zone and go tangibly help them. Because there's just something about moving. There's something about having a physical step that when you actually take action and you're obedient to God, even though it's uncomfortable and even though it can be scary, there's something that happens and your faith just grows. And I think there may be some of you in the room that although this is scary, this may be the next step that God has for you. And what if you getting baptized, being obedient to God and saying, I want my friends and family to know that I've trusted Jesus as Savior. What if that's your next step? And what if that's the thing that causes your faith to grow? Because I'm telling you, a physical step often leads to a spiritual breakthrough. In fact, it often leads to your spiritual breakthrough. But not just that, because sometimes you taking a physical step actually leads to one of your friends having a spiritual breakthrough. Because all the time at M12, I've seen this happen. A student makes a decision of faith and they say yes to Jesus and they trust Jesus as their Savior. And then they decide, even though it's scary, I'm going to be baptized. And so on a Thursday night at M12, they get baptized. And when they get baptized, they invite their friends to come see them, you know, get baptized. And their friends don't really buy into the whole God thing. They don't really buy into the whole church thing. But because they love their friend, they come here to watch them get baptized. And then when they watch their friend get baptized, they start to wonder and start to think, what would cause my friend to take a bold step like getting baptized in front of all these people? Why on earth? earth would he do it why on earth would she do it and as they start to question and they start to ask they begin to discover who God is and they start coming here to M12 more and then eventually they make a statement of faith and they trust Jesus as their savior and then they decide even though it's scary to get baptized and then when they get baptized they invite their friends that don't know Jesus and then their friends that don't know Jesus look at them and say how on earth could he do that how on earth could she do that and they start asking questions and what happens over time is that baptisms often lead to baptisms and what if what if you being obedient to God not only brought a spiritual breakthrough in your life, what if it actually brought a spiritual breakthrough in one of your friends' lives? What if you stepping out of your comfort zone, even though it's scary, and even though it's like, oh man, I hope I don't mess up, and you know, hope I do everything right, what if you take that step, and that not only grows your faith, but what if that was the very thing that grew one of your friends' faith? Because you don't have to be perfect to be baptized. In fact, if you had to be perfect, none of us would be baptized. Because baptism is a next step, not a next level. And so, here's the question. Okay? And this, by the way, applies to not everyone in the room. It applies to some people in the room. 
because there's some of you in the room that you've already trusted Jesus as your Savior and you've already been baptized. And if that's you, I hope tonight just reaffirmed you. I hope it encouraged you. And maybe for you, it helped clarify the difference between baptism and salvation. But if you're sitting there and you've already made a decision of faith where you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, maybe it was last week, Maybe it was a month ago at the back to school bash. Maybe it was a few years ago. Maybe there was a moment where you trusted Jesus as your savior, but you've never taken the step of being baptized. Here's the question. Is God, not me, not your small group leader, is God asking you to be baptized? Because this isn't between you and me. This isn't between you and your small group leader. This isn't even between you and your friends. As you sit there, there may be some of you in the room that you feel like God may be saying something to you. And maybe he's asking you to be baptized. And if that's you, there's two things I want you to do. Number one, in just a little bit, we're going to dismiss to small groups. This is a perfect, perfect thing to bring up to your small group. In fact, your next step, if you want to get baptized, is not to talk to me. It's to talk to your small group leader. And then they will talk to you, and they'll tell you how you can get signed up to be baptized. So the first step is going to happen in just a few minutes. It's your chance to talk to your small group leader about getting baptized. And the second step, and this is really important, is to talk to your parents. Because if, if you're feeling like God may be leading you to do this, not only do you need to talk to your small group leaders, you need to talk to your parents tonight. In fact, even on the way home, I think it's a great conversation to say, hey, mom and dad, I've been thinking about getting baptized. Would that be okay with you if I got baptized? It's a great conversation to have. And so if you're sitting there and you know that God's pressing in on you, first step, talk to your small group leader. Second step, talk to your parents. And who knows? Who knows if you taking this physical step could lead to a spiritual breakthrough in your life and maybe even in the lives of your friends. So let me pray for you. God, I'm so grateful for these students. And I'm grateful for Jesus who died for us and then who modeled baptism, who baptized others, and then encouraged us to baptize others. And I'm grateful that the only thing required for a relationship with God, the only thing required for us to be saved is to trust Jesus, and that's it. I'm thankful that baptism, although it's a next step, is not required for us to be saved. And so I thank you that you have saved us by Jesus and Jesus alone. And I pray if there's a student who might be feeling like maybe you're tugging at their heart to get baptized, I pray that they would have a conversation with their small group leader and have a conversation with their parents. And God, I can't wait for when they get baptized. Maybe some as early as next week and maybe some in the coming months. I pray that you would move our students to quick obedience, to follow after you even when it's scary and even when it's difficult. Thank you for loving us. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.